Welcome to self-checkout. Place your bananas in the bagging area. And no item in the bagging area. And no item in the bagging area. Take your receipt. David. Hey Connor, how are you? I'm good. Welcome to Self Checkout. Uh, Self Checkout. <laughs> Checking out. Super excited to talk about tea this week. Oh boy. Are we going to do a topic soon that doesn't trace all of its roots back to mass murder and genocide? Uh, is there one? I don't think there is. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah. Uh. What we're learning, what we're really checking out here <laughs> is that um, literally every, there's a common thread that goes through, I guess, all industry. But mm-hmm. food in particular, um, post, uh, post-Columbus exchange, does seem to all be rooted in colonialism, subjugation of people, um, and uh, European greed. Yeah, it's uh, really effed up. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to that later. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about tea. Let's talk, let's, yeah. you know, we'll cover some For basics first. obvious reasons, I feel like I've been just so depressed lately. Yeah. Like, actually, like I'm, like, depressed. Like tea wise, well, everything. Well, yeah, <laughs> right. The well, tea did not help. I think that I think that researching food right now is really poignant um, because it, it's it's just it's reiterating uh, the themes of white supremacy that we're learning about on a daily basis, and food in particular, and just like the pathways and the uh, supply chains of food have all been built really by colonialism and yeah. you know to reiterate to you know, repeat myself but so much shit yeah um tea in particular is maybe okay here's the question i was thinking about what drug trade in history do you think has led to the most death because i would say probably coffee and tea combined yeah has been more like indir- directly and indirectly responsible for more death than the opium trade cocaine well, the fact that, like, we, we we can get into it later, but, like, the fact that, like, tea exploited the opium trade right. to... Yeah. Well, let's not spoil that quite yet. That that's one. A, that's that a one. zinger. Um, how have you been, though, besides? <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to say that, like, I have been drinking tea. I think, I'm, I'm you know, I mentioned it in previous podcasts that I've been drinking tea way more often than I've been drinking coffee lately. A few months ago, I read Michael Pollan's book, Caffeine. Um and while it didn't get me completely off of caffeine, uh, it did sort of sour me to coffee a little bit. Um, I didn't know. It just made me sort of a little more mindful about the way mm. I feel when I drink coffee. And for a while, I, I realized before I read that that I had gotten deep into the day without um, without having a cup. And I kind of felt great. Mm-hmm. And then I, re- like I was at work, and I was doing my thing, and I was really clear-headed and kind of like could think on my feet. And I would drink a cup of coffee. And, like, boom, suddenly my energy was focused into, like, anxiety, uh, stomachache, um, and, like, impending crash. And while, like, that can kind of be fun if you harness it right, you know, and you can just be like, okay, I'm going to be really productive and get all this stuff done. Sometimes you need that, like, scattered sort of just, like, uncaffeinated, non-tweaked out brain uh, to, I don't know, enjoy your life. I think, like... Because, look, I'm going to forever drink coffee, and this is just a part of my life. Um, I have, not that long ago, actively decided, for sleep purposes, to limit when I drink my coffee. Right. So, once noon hits, unless I'm, like, in a really bad headspace, and normally that's because of bad decisions I made the night before. Right. I will not drink coffee i will chug my coffee like like those three last three minutes before noon <laughs> so it's a hard chug. line yeah noon, noon is, is a hard line for you yeah and yeah. like i i think i've broken that this past year maybe three times right like it's very rare for me and it, even then like it's like i'll try not to do it too far past the noon clock just because like i i need sleep is so important right like, i think people need sleep to live and i think so too so I don't know if there's Someone any should look into that. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure there's any evidence. Yeah. I, I mean, I still am kind of a terrible sleeper. My problem with sleep has always been 
I like choose not to sleep. Yeah. I like actively will fight through being tired in order to stay awake and just do things I'd rather be doing than sleeping. Watch another episode. Watch another episode, read another thing. Like, like last night we're watching a show. Literally, I close my eyes for one second, open my eyes, big bombshell of a thing was revealed in the in in the uh, show and I turned around. I was like, did she just say this? And he's like, yeah, she came out of that. I was like, wow, I like fully like fell asleep. Yeah. And for that, like, I didn't hear it. I didn't see it. I was like, I need to go to bed. <laughs> I didn't. I still stayed awake to finish the show. Did not catch the end. It so. is funny being such, being the sort of like semi insomniac that we're talking about mm-hmm. here, like, like willfully insomniac. Mm-hmm. Um, falling asleep, not of your own accord. How good does that feel? So good. Right. Because it's like, oh, like my body's doing what it wants to do. Like and when you're just like in that, when you're like you're lying down or you're reading and you just like can't keep your eyes open. It's such a beautiful feeling. And, I'm, you know, and I, and I feel like that happens more often now that I now that I I predominantly only drink tea because it has less caffeine in it. And also, like, I just feel like it doesn't hit as hard. It's, it really doesn't. I I had went through a phase where. Um, back when I was really fit, I would, wasn't drinking. That's probably why I was also really fit. But I would, every morning I would have green tea and I would eat fruit and I would work out, smoke a bunch of weed. Um, (laughs) Before or after the workout? Like around it. It was, was, happened. It was, it was like, I had some good times. I'd like, I just enjoyed my life and I was like really good shape. I wasn't dating anybody. I really wasn't like poking up with anybody either like i was just like yeah being myself <laughs> walking watching documentaries and working out in between them you can do that right now david if you want to i could i also like i had like the most um beautiful bedroom at the time it was oh, the, bed- the princess well, you can't do that like, without a bedroom yeah um i do before we get into tea i want to go off on a tangent that i kind of mentioned sure is that okay yeah <laughs> um and i feel like it I don't know. I'll try to make it imply with tea, but I don't think I can. Have you seen the show Pose? No. It is amazing. No. Amazing. Yeah, I heard. Um, but it it's kind of like the early ballroom scene. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it, it's the ballroom scene in uh, late '80s uh, New York. You right. know, a lot of the characters are uh, trans characters. Um, but a while ago, I'd say like last month someone had said to me like how he'd wish that we could just go back to like old tv classic tv how it was so much better and i was immediately taken back with like how wrong that was and i couldn't quite pinpoint exactly why like first i thought about myself as like a gay man and like how gay people were represented in media and knowing that that was wrong you know like back in the 80s like a lot of What's an example of old TV? Like old sitcoms? Like like Three's Company. Gotcha. Old sitcoms. Yeah. Like, like okay. I Dream of So that was, the, that was the example I was thinking of in terms yeah. of like bad gay stereotypes. Yeah. Because it, it's not even a gay character. It's it's a straight man pretending to be gay. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is Okay. Cool. Which is infuriating. And then I'm having this conversation with, my co- with one of my coworkers and I'm still kind of upset about this thing. I didn't mention that, but I was just like, you know how gay people are represented in the media is, 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 has been so messed up. Like, we're getting better. And I was just like, but think about all of these, like, actors who are really talented actors who are portraying gay characters, winning Oscars for it. And, but, like, there's gay actors out there. Why aren't gay actors playing gay characters? They can do more, but why aren't they? Yeah. And I, then... I would, I, I would guess that there's a lot of gay actors. A lot. There's actually... The stereotype yeah. is... This is why Pose... Is amazing. All gay, all trans, right? Like, all, or, you know, all of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I saw the first two episodes, and I was just taken back by. First of all, that it's just a beautiful story. There's such kindness and love within the storyline, um, and there are like a lot of trans characters. And I just, I like had to like, like look and see. I was like, I need to know if these characters are being portrayed by t- trans actors and actresses. Um, and sure enough, every single one, if they're a trans character, they're being portrayed by tra- tra- uh, by a trans actress or actor. And I was listening to like an interview by one of the, the actresses, MJ Rodriguez, who is 
her character is amazing in the show, Blanca, which I think is the greatest name ever. Um, but she says it's so beautifully put. Where it's just like that in Hollywood and within the media, if you are an actor and you portray a trans individual, it's something that's going to elevate your standing within that community and you get recognition for it, which is fine. If you're allowing trans people to play cis people, which isn't something that is happening. So literally you have these beautiful roles. Right. Unfilled. Yeah. Or being fulfilled by people who aren't. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. That's what I meant. And it was so, it's like, yes, that is what I'm talking about. Right. Like it's, it's not that Tom Hanks didn't do a beautiful job in Philadelphia. Kitty, great. Like Antonio Banderas, great. But there are gay actors and there are, we have trans actors and if we are not giving them roles that are characters that speak to them that are about their life right and we're letting someone else tell their story for them then we need to be allowing them the chance to elevate their career by playing a role that's such that's a good different. point that's such a good point so yeah that's been sort of my like latest obsession and i can't stop thinking about it and also you should watch pose because it's really beautiful i cried so many times yeah yeah i that that whole thing kind of i mean we can have we can talk about cancel culture on another episode because i don't want to get into all of that right now but like i don't think no i wasn't like the biggest scarlett johansson fan at least i wasn't mm-hmm. like i didn't you know she and I are the same age. I had a crush on her when I was a teenager, you know, like Ghost World. Like, Such you know, so she, she was like, she was like, you know, stuck in my mind. Like, Sorry. you know, she's whatever. Hollywood bombshell. She's very pretty. But like over the years, it was just like more and more. I'm just like, mm-hmm. okay, here she is again. I get it. You're pretty. And yeah. and then, but like, I never really thought of her as like super fantastic or remarkable as an actor. Um, so when she said that she can play any role that she wants... I don't, you know about that, I right? I do hear, yeah. yeah. Uh, meaning that she could play, uh, she could play a trans woman. I don't think she understood, hello, triangle. <laughs> I don't think she understood the irony in what she said about, like, you know, she's capable of playing any role that she wants. It's like, yeah, you are, yeah. and that's the problem. <laughs> like, congratulations. You already know that. Hollywood already knows that. Like, yeah. take a step back. Um, there's also other people that could play your roles better, too. Yeah. Like, they can... Wh- I don't even know what Black Widow does in the Avenger. What is she, witch? she do something? No, she, like... She just hangs out with... Does oh, body flips. Oh, body flips. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Hawk, Hawkeye, buddy. They just... Those two... Those two are not superheroes. So, <laughs> those I've, two just are people. I haven't really seen that many of the Yeah, they're movies. not good. <laughs> those, are th- those are movies that I make no... I, like, I, I don't know. I'm going to make a lot of people angry, I guess, by saying they're not good. But, like... The Marvel movies, just in general, are um, well. How, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, and also you probably maybe you don't know, but like, are there any gay superheroes? Not in enough. The, yeah, not There's enough in the Marvel. That's ones. why. I mean, and that's why I love like all of this. There is content out there that's anti-superhero, and you and I are both big comic fans, mm-hmm. like um, the Boys, uh, Watchmen. You know, those are all critical of authority, critical of police and the state and the government and, you know, yeah. like by proxy in the comic book world, superheroes. Um, I don't know. I've been reading The Boys and it's a little homophobic. It is there. And I, the thing is, too, is like, and I get really, really pissed off on a lot of like gay representation in media, like partly because like if. And it's, it's getting a lot better. I feel like really stress that. Like, it is a lot better. But a lot of times, if you have a gay character, that's the storyline. The storyline yeah. is that they're gay. Right. It's not just, like, this part of them. And it's, it's why I get so really pissed off when people take that part of me and let that be the defining definition of who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Like, having... Can I... Yeah, go ahead. Can I actually... Like, I wanted to comment on that, yeah. actually, because po- I was actually, like... Look, like, you and I are good friends, and so I can feel comfortable saying this. That, like, I was actually surprised to hear you say that you were watching Pose. Because, like, I, because that's, 
I'm sorry, listeners and David and everyone. That's the gayest thing I've ever heard. You like the gay, like quote unquote, like the the most, it's the a, most. It's like, a very. You, it's a show typi- all about that. You typically don't go for that sort of media. I like at least in yeah. my experience, which I think. Well, the only reason why I say this is like it brings back to the Donna Summers Riverdale. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> like, I feel like yeah. I consume more quote gay queer me- like queer, queer media queer media than you do. Because okay, I so, do agree with that. So there was this time. There's <laughs> well, because you listen to like, a lot of like queer podcasts and stuff. I don't really yeah. listen to any, and, and I also listen to. I mean, and I'm also just a big. So we were listening to. I feel love at work one day and I was like, Oh, this is, the, this is the, this is the gay version. Cause it's the Donna Summers. Cause, no, cause yeah. it was the Riverdale version. So good. Cause it's I think of, a, cause, I, cause I, I, cause I think of Riverdale as, as like a queer show. It, it is. It is. It has the queer aspects, which right. is really, really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. There's what, Man, this is quite a tangent. It, it is. And well, th- this is the whole entire thing. boils down to is like, um, yes, I, Pose is wonderful. Everyone should watch it. I'm a big Ryan Murphy fan. Right. And he's the one who's involved with it because he's also, I don't know much about him as a person. So like, he might be just a shitty person. I don't know that. But I do know that in his. He gets it done. He, he's very inclusive too. That's what I'm saying. Like the fact that he has people with disabilities. He has people of color. He has like trans people. He's got gay people. And he has these characters that are like. They're sexually fluid, but that's not the plot. Right, right. Like, I mean, and even yeah. when it is, like, exaggerated in his shows, which it certainly can be. Oh, yeah. Like we, like, um, but it's, it, it still feels like, you know, the moral center of the show is not one of solely, like, strife and oppression mm-hmm. or shame, you know? Like it deal, but it doesn't whitewash that either. It doesn't take yeah. that out and just be like, oh, like, this is, like you know, this is a non-heteronormative relationship or person or couple, um, and we're going to have the entire show be about their struggle. It shows their struggle, but it also shows, it's like the Bechtel test for queerness. Mm-hmm. You know you know what I mean? Like the Bechtel test. I like don't know that. Bechtel one. test is uh, basically like, does this show or book or, t- or movie have two women discussing something without a man present um, and, and what they're discussing <laughs> has nothing to do with a man. And it really is showing you, like, do these women have agency in the show? Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like he does accomplish that for queerness, mm-hmm. um, where it's, it's like, it's present, but it's not, like, it's not so a bunch of, like, well-meaning um, cishet liberals can look at it and be like, oh, it's so tough. That's so tough. I feel for that. Like... And he's also he's also hiring actors and actresses who are queer, yeah, playing roles that aren't queer. And I certainly think which that, is like, exactly one, one what, begets the other. Yeah, yeah, and which is exactly what like um, MJ Rodriguez was saying. Yeah, and it's just like we need more Ryan Murphy's style people in this world. More style people. I personally, I feel like he's the first generation of people who were directly inspired by Boss Lerman, and. I don't know who that is. Boss Lerman. Oh, Same. that's that's the guy um, Moulin Rouge and like all oh, those like manic, yeah. like over the top movies. Strictly Ballroom. You ever see that one? No, because probably I'm, I'm like a bad guy. Yeah, I think. I mean, I owe that all to my older sister. I think, like, not Moulin Rouge that came out later, uh, but like ba- Strictly Ballroom. I remember where she watched over and over. Oh, uh, Romeo <laughs> and Juliet. You definitely saw that. No, I actually haven't. You're kidding. I'm totally serious. I have not seen it. Yeah. And I'm not <laughs> saying you're kidding me because it's my favorite movie or anything. Like, well, because it's, it, people our age like are obsessed right. with it. Like, I remember when it coming out and I also, I think it's the 70s version. Like, I really love that. Yeah. And also, Romeo and Michael Juliet. York. I'm just going to say it is the worst Shakespearean play. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, of all of them, it's just like, why is this the most famous one? Yeah. Like, it is bullshit. Sex sells. I mean, yeah, I guess and it does. Tragedy, yeah, and they're fourteen. And they've been yucky. It's just there's so many better ones out there. Yeah, there are. Um, yeah. Tell me, your, tell me your top five favorite Shakespearean plays, David. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Actually, um, I really like spill, Night spill Spring, the tea. But um, I feel like one. I'm not going to say which one I really, really like because it's actually very sexist, and I'm not going to support it. 
but that's just a clue. Let's talk tea. Tammy was true. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It's so fucked up. <sighs> just need more classic plays, right? Right, yeah. More. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, no. Um, so I'm going to tell you an honest truth. Putting this back on the subject that I should be on. So we read, I have it with me, um, part of A History of the World in Six Classes by Tom Standage. Standage. Yeah. Um, and reading the G- tea chapter, trying to get on the same page so we can have like a, a beautiful dialogue for you all. And I discovered that I'm a moron. <laughs> in what way? So, I'm not a huge tea drinker, as I've mentioned, but I do love green tea. Yeah. I think it's delicious. It's my favorite. Love Jasmine I think I know tea. what it's going to be. Yeah. So, I had no idea that green tea and black tea were oh, the, the same. same. Thing. Yeah, yeah. I literally thought they were different plants. Oh. Which. I don't think that makes you a moron at all. It, I mean, this was discovered years ago. <laughs> It was discovered by the people who made it. Yeah. Well, the people, but also, so in the book, it does mention how. Oh, Europeans it, thought that they were two different plants. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm. You're one And of then they discovered that I was wrong um, because they had it. They hired a spy to go to China. Right. Yeah. And Robert, like, Robert Fortune. Yeah. Yeah. Let's back this up. Well, so yeah. let's say, yeah, I back found that was up. interesting. <laughs> that was interesting, too. So just, I don't know if we. Man, I really hope that we mention this in coffee. But in coffee, the Dutch East India Company sent a spy into Yemen, got some coffee plants, mm-hmm. and replanted them in Java. And that became Mocha Java and became one of the most like propagated yeah. coffee crops and is still going today. Liter- literally the same thing happened with tea. tea. But we should get there. We should back it up a little bit we should talk about so tea is actually like tea outdates coffee by a lot which probably shouldn't surprise many people but coffee like the shocking thing about coffee is like how recent that is like just like 500 years tea has arguably arguably been around for about 2,000 years well and they actually it's so far back that they can't it's not dated necessarily no it's not like there's no they don't know exactly when i found a couple different dates though um you know, we watched that video, and it said, "It said, um, you know, they were chewing it for thousands of years, and then it the, was food to start with." And then the emperor um, Shenong um, discovered brewing it, but they said 2500 BC. Mm-hmm. But I've heard a lot of argument that that wasn't the case. I'm going to say that it was probably very common practice to mm-hmm. brew different herbs and botanicals and plants into water and making different infusions because that's yeah. just, I mean, like kind of one of the original medicines that you can make in China. Well, something that I thought was like really fascinating and was just like, oh my God, this is amazing, was be- when they did start brewing tea, how, and this is in China, just to like specify that, um, that because of the tannins in the tea, and it would produce tannic acid, which would then kill bacteria that mm. were associated with what? Um, e. coli. Cholera, typhoid, um, and dysentery. Oh, sorry. E. coli is herba mate. Oh, see, I did not know that. Yeah, just by drinking it, too. Not by, like... It, That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, so the, the, the process of making tea unknowingly... Ex- Extended the life expectancy, uh, reduced infant mortality, mm-hmm. uh, and basically allow people to live. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, here you have this, like, unknowingly you're, you're making your water safe to drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, tea doesn't really spoil, so it was easy to just have on hand. And it's just how cool is that? It's yeah. just, like, the smallest thing, and you didn't even realize, like... 
you don't even know what you're doing and why like why it is like making but you're just noted like they're basically saying like it's a medicine it like it helps you live you know, people aren't dying and they're not wrong but they're right for the wrong reasons i like thinking about being like two thousand years ago mm-hmm. you've never had processed food in your entire life um yeah you don't have really too many like highly stimulating by our standard um distractions um and then like drinking a cup of tea like drinking a cup of caffeinated tea and like feeling the effects of that must have been outrageous compared to what we are now like the amount of sugar that we're pumped through pumped into like at a young age and like processed foods like the amount of awareness of your own body like the connection with your Mm -hmm. own body it must have been a completely different experience identifying medicinal herbs and teas and things like that um back then i I wonder if i'm oversimplifying it but i imagine it has to be true um sir like just i mean even just like vitamin b and c going through your body and things like that when you when you when you drink when you drink a cup of tea especially if you're lacking in those in other areas of your diet um it must have just been wild i don't know like the human experience and just like have well just i just feel like there must have been a heightened sense of awareness uh about what's going on inside you just like you know a little bit more connectivity there i mean there there would have to be a little bit like because you're it's a new substance and without processed food like you're going to be eating basically the same seasonally the same things right so right. pretty much a mono diet or at least like very little variation oh man oh i loved that um so like the buddhist monks just used it as drugs yeah, so the buddhist, the buddhist buddhist monks just used it to like oh man but i think we still do like i know when i'm like drinking tea it's because it's like late afternoon i want to read a book or like do something kind of relaxing yeah and sort of just like clear my mind right well i think it's funny though it's like you know especially in america right now we definitely do like hold buddhist monks on this like purity um pedestal you know or we have in the past where we sort of like you know we hold them up to just be these and not that not that it's like it, you know they're not smoking smoking meth yeah to meditate but it is it is like i think it is just funny because it's like um it makes sense the fact that we don't see coffee or tea as a drug right which it totally is it yeah like it's we're all used to it so in that sense it's like it's a mild drug but over 90 percent of people are caffeinated on a daily basis so like that going back again to michael pollan's book like how do you define base level consciousness when almost all of the people in the world have altered consciousness a hundred percent of the time. And the, the fact is you, it's something you don't think about because people don't do it, but like you can overdose on caffeine. Yeah. Like we, I had a friend who someone had like left like caffeine pills at a party. So he took them and like, didn't even think anything about it and got super sick right. and had to go to the hospital, got a stomach pump. And it's like, you were almost dead. Wow. Cause you took, so much caffeine. That sounds like a horrible, horrible feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. And it's yeah. like, it, you don't think about it. Like, it's not like, but yeah, you, you can. Like, it, it's 100% a drug. Yeah. Excuse me, I'm going to sip this tea real fast. Sip it. Yeah, we're drinking some Earl Grey right now. We're doing drugs right now. Uh, so, I thought that it was pretty funny that, like, okay, so green tea was the main tea that everyone was drinking in mm-hmm. China um, for hundreds, maybe thousands not sure, but hundreds, certainly hundreds and hundreds of years, green tea was the tea as it gained popularity. Uh, real quickly, just, just so before we go into that, because we, we did mention that green tea and black tea are the same. Oh, yeah, yeah. But so, be, yeah, so black tea is just fermented green tea. It's actually or not oxidized. Really, yeah, it's not really fermented. It, fermented is is the common, people say that a lot. Mm-hmm. It's not technically true. It's oxidized. Um, so, yeah, white tea is like they, they, let, the, they let the leaves wilt and but they don't oxidize um the yellow yellow tea which i'm pretty unfamiliar with um is just fresh tea leaves that are allowed to yellow a little bit they're not wilted or oxidized 
the green tea leaves are um, those are just fresh leaves that they dry, so those are they're not wilted or oxidized. And then um, then there's like the black teas have them like subtle levels. Like oolong tea is wilted and bruised intentionally. Okay. You know, so it gets it gets those bruises in it um, and partially oxidized before they dry. That's it. really cool. Yeah, and then black tea they crush, they wilt it, they oxidize it as far as they can go. But it's not technically fermented fermentation. Okay. You know, by our definition. Which there are because then like. I think it's called Pu'er, which yeah, is like yeah, a yeah. fermented black tea, which I love. That one is actually fermented. Yeah. 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 That is good. It's like so smoky. Like earthy and yeah. just like, oh, so good. Nasty. Good tea. Um, yeah. So it, I think it's really funny because there was uh, black tea started being imported. It was, so it's funny to cross-reference things um, because some sources say like black tea wasn't really developed until – Around the 17th century. The 17th century is when China started exporting it to Europe. Like, And then other sources I've read yeah. have, were just like, black tea was considered disgusting and a mistake. And it was only worthy for giving to Europeans. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I like, I think that it, um, black tea was sort of this like happy accident that ended up happening um, where it was like a lower grade. Um, which I really love because uh, if you, it, like that's a testament to China's wealth, and this will probably come up a lot of times when it came up with coffee, where China was doing so well, they could afford to keep what they considered to be the highest mm-hmm. grade tea and sell off all the junk at a really high profit to the Europeans, yeah. which is not the MO anymore with exporting. Like, if you're a company exporting a good, you typically – send away all the good stuff but that's all that's not yeah. always true like we see that with spain a lot spain holds on to a lot of the really good stuff you know they're, they're not they don't export as readily as like yeah, italy does it to some degree mm-hmm. too uh like we see that yeah um within the but um china's wealth keeps coming up in this food research too i will and just it, well, like well to do, and just just they're they're doing so good. They didn't need anything, and that that again, well, this is another connection between the Colombian exchange, where you have um, the New World, China, and Europe in this triangle. Um, because the problem with European trading with China is that China didn't ever need anything from Europe except for a currency, yeah, which was coming from the New well, World. They didn't want any of it too. It's just like yeah. none of it was, this was all garbage to them. Yeah, their culture had been yeah. established. They were rich and. Europe was not very rich at this time. You have to understand they like they were exploring, but they weren't they weren't China like they weren't set like China. No. Um so essentially ooh man, I don't even know where to we're all over the place because there's so there's much information. So it's so much. really cool. But um I get we could just talk about well, I want to talk about etymology real quick. Okay, go ahead. Because I just love this that there's only two words for tea. Yeah. That was one of my favorite things. Love that. You want to talk so, about it? Uh, it's so cool. You talk about it because I have all the stuff. Written, well, yeah. I have all I the mean, stuff written down, down here well, too. But like, it's it's. Uh, so yeah. um, there's only two two root words for tea, and then they really both came from, come from the same thing. Um, one is tea or te, another one is uh, cha. Uh, and they come from the same root word. It's just a matter of like you know uh, you're probably familiar with Ch- China has many different dialects and um, I mean they kind of go into entire different languages. Um, it is such a large area, such a big landmass. But um, you can track the route in which it got to a country based on what they call it, whether it has a cha chai uh, root word or te ti because. Um, and I love that. Because, okay, so as we like, like as Russia was was Zay, yeah, which is like yeah, Zay, cha. yeah, Zay cha, like, and that, like you know, mm-hmm. chai uh, is of course from India, um, so you can trace how it, how tea got out of China by uh, what they call it because if it got to um, the Silk Road, sorry, yeah, it it it, it, landed, it was either um, from Mandarin or Cantonese. Uh, and uh, reached the end country via the Silk Road by land. It was called Cha. And if it, um, the other, the other, um, right. And if it calls it tea, it reached them from the coastal province of Fujian, 
um, where all of the 17th century Dutch merchants reach them. But the exception is Portugal, which calls it cha, uh, because they were the first ones there, and they didn't trade. Um, they didn't tr trade through uh, uh, Fujian. They trade from Macau, um, and so they're like they're the only cha. Portuguese is so weird. It's because of all the trading that they yeah. did, they have all these weird uh, linguistic idiosyncrasies, which I think is fun. It's really interesting. I mean, it's really interesting. <laughs> that Those two root word things, it's just like, that is so cool. Yeah. And just because, like, growing up, like, everyone chai became, like, really popular in the 90s. And just being like, oh, chai is so... And I still love chai, but then you're just discovering that it just really just means tea. It just means tea. Yeah. It's just a way of preparing tea, and it's called yeah. tea. Yeah. Yeah. And yet I could still never call it chai. Any, like, I couldn't call, like, what we're drinking chai. No. Even though technically. No, but you could if you were in India. Yeah. I guess. Or, or some other places, too. There, you know what? It's just, it just, to me, tea, like, that word is so in my head. Like, right. it's always going to be tea. Yeah. Um, I think th that that's so fascinating to me because, like, those two words are both Chinese in origin, it tells a story. It doesn't just tell that like geographical story of where it came came from, but it tells like just the fact that it's only two root words and they're both Chinese and it, it didn't evolve at all over a couple thousand years. The symbol was for, like basically it comes from the same symbol, is right. what they said. Yeah. It's it shows you how powerful China's hold on that industry was too. Like it never. It never made its way out and established itself in another region enough mm -hmm. for the language to change during all that time. Because if the language kind of gels and solidifies mm -hmm. at a certain point, it's going to stay that way. And it certainly has proven to be true. Well, China was also so um, protective over what ports people were allowed to trade out of, too. Right. Which, was like which led to some problems later on. Pretty big problems. Really messed up. So the Honorable East India Company... So good. They're the greatest company ever. It had Lots at one of good point things they did. Twice the military of England, um, essentially like corporate mercenaries, and had a monopoly over trade in the East. Um, they needed they needed a lot of tea because they were uh, exporting millions of pounds of it to their subjects, and I guess at that point um, the colonies as well. Um, do you want to do you want to talk about China? Yeah. I, so I, I want to talk. I I want to talk about this this part that was so messed up. So, because China was so wealthy and they didn't need anything from Europe other than silver and, like, that was running out, so Europe had to figure out how to get something that China would want. And so, in order to do so, they had... Um, England basically took over Bengal, which was uh, a thriving country, doing just very financially successful. Um, had the 12th largest global GDP at the time. Mm -hmm. I think it was like textiles or something. Yeah, and shipbuilding. Destroyed all of that and then forced them to get into a new industry. Uh Opium. Growing heroin. Well, yeah. there was no heroin at the time, but growing opium. Yeah. Yeah. And getting China addicted on opium. Yeah. So that way they would have to get it from England. Real quick. In the first 15 years after China, uh, after England, or the, not even England, after the East India Company, the East India mm -hmm. Company, a corporation conquered and colonized Bengal, um, which is disgusting. Like, can we think about that? Like, the, it was a... 100% slave yeah, labor. Trade. Enslaved, enslaved um, Bengalis, 10 million starved to death in the first 15 years. In the first 15 years. Do you know how many, how many people that is to starve to death in the first 15 years? That's, yeah, I... This is, like, where I kind of, like, halted in my tracks, and I was like... It's hard to laugh at BBC comedies. It's it when such you're thinking about. It was such like it was just also not that, that long ago. 
one in three people in China became addicted to opium. Yeah. Because yeah. of this. Yeah. That um, made it really uh, difficult to uh, to fight a war or, you yeah. know, to sort of defend yourself against the British. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, it's pretty disgusting. Um, so, yeah, this is like a billion-dollar industry. So opium alone became a billion-dollar industry, in, in, in addition to suddenly all of the, uh, the tea that they were continuing to take from China or, yeah. you know, trade through with China. So then they had... So then... Because then they were selling opium to China. It just the whole thing. It just <laughs> it just so it it just really upset me a lot. Um, and then the fact that the emperor of China was just like, "This is bullshit." Right. Like, like no, we're not doing this. They had their own tea party. Yeah, had a like dumped up all the uh, the opium for good reason. Yeah, like one point two million kilos. Fucking crazy. Yeah, that's Sorry, a lot. I'm gonna swear a lot. This a lot episode. of drugs. Fought a war with England, lost the war because because they've been building up a mill. Because these are like this is literally like if Jeff Bezos' money, like for that time, yeah. like just had their own private army and just were able to have like corporate warfare on a certain yeah. trade. Like they had a complete monopoly and were just allowed to. So like. The amount of money is all going into, like, the best warships, the best guns. Mm -hmm. Like, this is also, like, American Civil War time. Like, this is not That's long ago. This this kind of stuff, like, still, like, throws me off where when you really think about it. Like, it's not, this none is, of this was that long ago. No, this isn't like, yeah. we're, we're not talking about, like, <laughs> this is right around the corner. You know what I mean? Like, telegraphs are being invented. Yeah. <laughs> like, things, like... People, people have discovered electricity, and like this shit's going on. So, I don't know. I feel like this stuff is is um, like yeah, it's a long time ago. I get that, but it's not. Not that long. It's ago. not long ago. Like, I don't know. I we need to stop thinking of the 19th century as being like. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's like millions of years ago. Yeah, it's not. No, it's, exactly. it's like we the echoes of everything that happened are still like we're still dealing with mm -hmm. then i mean obviously in this country too um you know we do ourselves a disservice by saying that you know like slavery was a long time ago that the opium wars were a long time ago because you know if you think about well the effects on like slave labor with the teamstry we're still seeing oh yeah like there's still the amount that workers are being paid is is just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's why, yeah, like, okay, fine. Like, you want you don't want to pay, like, that much money for a cup of tea. But you know what? The price Someone that is. you're actually paying is, is a lot more. Right. Well, that person is. That, that person that basically is, is essentially, it's a, a slave. Yeah. And, I mean, it's literally happening right now, too. I mean, you don't want to pay the shipping on, um, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to pay the shipping on a on a package that you're ordering from an, uh, an independent seller, mm -hmm. but like the way that you're paying for it is by somebody passing out of heat exhaustion in an Amazon warehouse. I'm coming for Amazon on this podcast. Oh, <laughs> I mean, we've we've mentioned like queer representation in media. Like, let's talk about like <laughs> like workers' rights. Like, right? This is like yeah, because it's not. I mean, it's only going to be so. Like, we we you know. It's the food. Food has food has so so much of an ugly history. Uh, uh, like in addition to all of the the beautiful aspects of it, bringing people together, and um, especially commodity foods like tea, coffee, things that are easily shipped and packed around the world. You know, it's hard to think about it like a drug, but when you look at its history, like it is completely um, inseparable from any other drug trade or cartel. Yeah. And because of the way that England, so England had went to China essentially with the the spy, the, the spy which we talked about, and uh, Robert Fortune, right. right. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. So, so right. Yeah. <laughs> so right. Yeah. That's the other thing. England then. Um, oh, that's how they got Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. um, is they like because the emperor clearly lost, mm -hmm. and so the, the emperor needed to pay for the opium, pay for the war. 
and get hand over Hong Kong. And suddenly there were four ports that, that Europe was allowed to trade in. Um, but then England wasn't satisfied like just buying buying tea when they could be growing it themselves. Like why should they let China have, have anything in return? Yeah. So they said to spy Robert Robert Fortune um, to China to find out what's up with the tea. Finds out that there are not two tea plants, which is something I just discovered as we just found out. It saved you a trip. Save you. <laughs> Yeah, the guy was an asshole, but <laughs> he saved you a lot of airfare <laughs> during a pandemic. Um, discovers that there's one plant. It's just how the plant is treated makes different teas. Stills the plant. They take it to India and um, Bengal and just start growing the tea. Um, I think it was Bengal as well, correct? Yeah, it yeah. Was, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was. Um, and basically now, they, like, it's like one of the largest growers of tea um yeah all done through slave labor and then once that ended like they're still basically yeah it's still underpaid it's there's a like, lot of yeah. uh, bengal has a lot of uh really unfortunate <laughs> like salvage mm-hmm. uh industries too I, I i don't know enough to really speak on it and i'd be doing everyone a disservice by talking about about, about bengal but um I watched a documentary years ago that had them stripping old oil, um, like like dismantling old oil tankers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just like really dangerous and terrible work. Um, anyhow, because England kind of you know just destroyed them. Yeah. So yeah. Um, one thing we should talk about though is, you know, it's super effed up all of that, but there were some interesting things that did happen culturally in England due to the tea. Yeah. Like, the fact is, the one thing that I was really taken back by is that, so you had coffee houses that were, men were allowed in and not women. So women couldn't go to coffee houses to order tea, and tea was so expensive that they didn't want to give their servants their money to get buy the tea. So, um... The first tea house came out, and it was a place where women were allowed to buy a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, and have conversations with other women, and also buy the dried leaves to grow it, uh, brew it at home. And you had sort of had tea parties, which were not, which men would attend, but women were also allowed to attend. So it was that sort of like, in a weird way, like gender inclusive Hmm. um but just the fact that you had this thing that like women were allowed to partake in right and that is partly why it started becoming so popular is because instead of just like one gender being allowed to consume in it both genders were women hated coffee what women hated coffee well for good fucking reason yeah like, we weren't allowed to. It's right. like a man's thing. Well, did you, did you read that, um, what was it called? That um, the women, oh, no, I need to look it up again. The, the like, the women's dis, uh, decree on coffee, or I need to find it. Was that, no, I, I, is that from the, the book, the coffee chapter? I didn't read that one. It was uh, I've heard excerpts of it just in researching coffee in different in different ways, mm-hmm. but um, it is essentially it uh, it's saying that like coffee is castrating the good men of England, Frenchifying them, and keeping them out of the bedroom where they're <laughs> <laughs> so like it goes. It's really pretty graphic, mm-hmm. but it's a bunch of uh, basically like horny women. Just saying how like they're not they're they're not upset that they can't go drink coffee. Yeah. They're saying that like men need to get back on the booze because they're because uh, they're not yeah women's petition against coffee. If you want to read something really fun and um, read it in a fun voice, um, look up the women's petition against like coffee. Like an accent. Yeah, it's a fun voice because it's all in sort of. Um, like old English. It's not old English, but you know, because it's like real. It's oh, I guess it's okay. So it was written. It was printed in sixteen seventy four. 
Um, but yeah, so like guys are out there inventing capitalism, mm-hmm. not kissing their wives. Everyone got mad. Um, and here, it, and not kissing their wives. <laughs> I just kiss of coffee breath. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We humbly pray that your that you, our trusty patrons, would improve your interest. That henceforth, the drinking of coffee may, on severe penalties, be forbidden to all persons under the age of three score, and that instead thereof, lusty nappy beer, cock ale, cordial canaries, restoring malagos, and bl- and back recruiting chocol, be recommended to general use through the utopian territories. Some of this sounded really tasty. <laughs> yeah. Cock ale is a beer that literally has a dead rooster in it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So like 200 oh. and then like 250 years later women get the right to vote to literally for the opposite to 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 ban alcohol. Like yeah. New new drugs just cause a whole lot of uh turmoil. Yeah. You know what I mean? People mm. get worked up about it. There's some racy language in here, too, and I, I found out that some words in common usage now were apparently um, apparently used back then, too. I, I want to know some of those words. Um, Do you want me to say it? Yeah. Dildo. Wait, in regards to, like... In regards to an old-timey dildo. When was the first dildo invented? Like, is it, what's the root word for dildo? Now I want to know. <laughs> uh, listeners, if you know the root word for dildo, please uh, shoot us an email at the selfcheckoutpodcast at gmail.com because I want to know <laughs> if you know. Now, let's, next episode, we're not going to do food. We're just going to do the history of dildos. <laughs> we're going to take, we're going to really check ourselves out. But I'll make like a recipe with it. <laughs> Did you did you know that certain dildos with the vibrating settings are perfect for rolling out dough? I made that up, but that'd be so great. Wow! <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, how is that even the vibration? It really just like helps like <laughs> hydrate right. the gluten without actually like adding any <laughs> flour, which can cause a stiffer dough. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. A stiffer dough. <laughs> Man, we got racy. Oh. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, uh-huh. <laughs> let me come back from that. Um, I don't know if we need to. So, do you think that, uh, what's her name? Catherine the second? Oh, she right. was cool. Right. So, did she? She's, like, factual. Yeah. So, she went from Portugal, right? Yeah. Um, so, she came from Portugal. Yeah. Catherine of Braganza. No, no. Catherine the second was the Russian. Uh, but Catherine of Braganza... Um, she was Portuguese, and so she is really what, like, jump-started the fashion of drinking tea in but England. Did she, yeah, because she goes to England, and she loved tea. Yeah, they all hated it at that time, because it was, like, medicinal. Not, and not good. Well, tea was originally medicine. Yeah, it was expensive, general, too. Yeah. Um, so she starts drinking it, like, like it's, like, tea. So she shows up drinking it. Um, yeah, she's like, She's like, hey, where's the tea? She's like, spill the tea, sis. <laughs> like tea fountains it's like it's like what lifestyle <laughs> rich and famous it's like tea up the bum hole um yeah so, so she starts drinking she's all, all about the tea and then all like the aristocrats are like well this lady she's fancy she's drinking tea so then they start drinking tea and because her family's so wealthy they the tra- they basically are able to trade with the tea and it just becomes like fashion yeah because portuguese they were into it yeah Yeah. um and there was like propaganda like that you should drink like an insane amount of tea oh yeah so much tea you can never drink enough tea what did they say like maximum 200 cups but like at least 70 a a day yeah like also i'm imagining the little thimbles i did have a lot of i mean i'm like kind of get junk dinked up today but i've had so much tea today did you hear that song i sent you I did. It was really cute. It was um, the tea song. The, the tea song? Yeah. The tea party song. You're really quiet. I'm high on tea right now. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's okay. I'm just looking at I'm looking at the 
the octaves. I'm looking at the octaves right now. Is that how? Nope. Is that what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> how many octaves do I have, Connor? You're at 24 octaves. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm actually like getting shaky. I'm having like had so much tea today. You got to drink that song. Uh, drink. <laughs> I drink two cups of tea too. Um, so Michael Hurley wrote this song called uh, the Tea Song, and it's a really sweet folk song. I'm gonna try to email him to see if we can use it as the outro. <gasps> That'd be so sweet. Yeah. It's it's this like heart it's this like slow, chunky, chunky chunk uh like folk song about it's heartbreak. So but he, instead of it being about like whiskey like he's just talking about like drinking tea and he's just talking about like his heart's aching and his hands are shaking. It's really good. Have you been trying to find tea songs? With no, I just love that. I, I just already do that. I, I've been trying a little bit. Well I also there's a line in a jewel song where she says like got my decaf herbal tea and I don't know if All you right, know Joel. this about me, Do you, but I'm like a huge Joel fan. That makes sense. That 100% makes sense. I'm like obsessed with her. Yeah. And her, I, I just, I, I think that you would love her just for her story. I don't even give a shit about a story. Really? <laughs> it's good. Her story's great. I just really love her music. Yeah, it's good. You like you like that sort of early aughts. It's just so moody. That, well, you, no, no, no. I'm saying like, do you like when she uh, reinvented herself as a pop star for that one album? Yeah, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. What's so unfortunate too, because this is because I can, I can go off on a tangent about Jewel. So she did do that. So she reinvented herself, did more poppy music. She has since that was then, kind of ironic though, wasn't it? Like it there was, was, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was. I think she was actually. She kind of was like on her way out. I think. So okay. she was trying to reinvent herself to so just keep working. Uh, I think that's what it was. Um, but she is a songwriter. And all of the the songs that she wrote on the album, she wrote herself, which is something that you don't have in most pop culture songs. Like, most pop singers, most of the famous ones, don't write their own music. Yeah. Not, good, not all. I mean, there the are... The good ones do. The, the good ones do. Lady, Lady Gaga's right oh, She's so good. She's um, so good. Um, and unfortunately... Taylor Swift. Yeah, I didn't hear you. Uh, someone, <laughs> someone else. Um, well, anyway, so Jewel did that, but she has since then released other albums where she does sing the songs from the Intuition album, which is the one that she kind of yeah. was poppy. And if you hear the songs without the pop sound, they're freaking amazing. They're just really good songs. Um, I'll have to check that out. I, I recommend it. And also... The This Way album is, like, my favorite one in the entire world. I listen to it way more than I should. But this isn't a Jewel fan club podcast, although I might tag her in this when we do post <laughs> yeah, it because I love her. Um, I'm sorry. I drink a lot of tea. It's <laughs> fine. That is fine. We can talk about Jewel. We can talk about that other one. This is – I will say, like, there was so much history in tea. Like, I didn't even really look into how tea is – consumed around the world just because like the history was so intense yeah the only thing i discovered was that in tibet i believe it was that yak's they would milk. do yeah the yak's milk with yak's butter yeah it's hard to escape yak and yak culture tea. in tibet apparently like everything i mean like yak is a it's like the primary food source like yak butter yak it's tea so is cool. really important yeah i had like a when i was, t- I was talking to like Yak whey, like yeah. hot yak whey is a thing, too. So you separate the curds and whey. And then you drink the, the hot whey. Mm. Yum, 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 yum. Yummy. It just sounds like hot whey. Hot whey. Have I you ever, ever, ever drank whey? No, I haven't. Make some mats. It's makes cool. I mean, it's sweet. It's very sweet. Because all the lactose is Okay, there. that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Because that makes so much sense. Yeah. No, I've never had whey. It's the concentrated flavor of, like, the sweetness that's in milk. Now I want to drink whey. No, no. It's, I mean, it's... You can't tell me what to do. <laughs> I can't. You're right. I won't. Yeah, we should. Let's do it. We should make cheese on the show. We, we will. We really will. Um, I think we just kind of avoiding the subject for a hot minute just because... <laughs> It's the obvious choice. Yeah, people are like when people first hear that we're making a podcast, they're like, "So it's going to be all about cheese," and I'm like, "Or any other food topic that we don't get a chance to talk well, about." Well, I think 
I mean, you are you are a CCP, and I am not. You um, are the Philadelphia's best cheesemonger. Well, shut up. Um, Two years running. <laughs> I only won it once. Right. I haven't seen anybody else win since. Okay, that's not important. <laughs> What's important is that there's a certified cheese professional test, which you passed and I took but didn't pass. But I learned a lot. Right. And it really kind of cemented the fact that, like, what we do with, with in the cheese world – you know, it's a lot of learning and education and just research. And I, even though I didn't pass that test, I loved studying for it. Mm-hmm. Freaking stressful. Learned so much about cheese right. and the cheese world and just history and culture. And and that's really part of why, like, we, I really wanted to do this is because I, I love that, that research. Like, I love learning. I love just finding out useless facts or great facts like green tea and black tea are different or <laughs> yeah i mean i just love history that, that's yeah. always been my draw to cheese to begin with like yeah i can uh, my my excitement that comes from cheese is less about the here and now and the moment and the tasting like i i, mm-hmm. I love eating it don't get me wrong but like the tasting notes of a very specific cheese and identifying what those are and communicating yeah. them to someone is not always as interesting to me as like the people who made it, um, the work that went into it, the landscape where it comes from, and the years and centuries sometimes of tradition that come before it. Like yeah. that's what really captures my imagination. Like if I had to choose. Um, and so that's what's made this podcast exciting to me is just going into like yeah, this is this. Where did it come from? Like, that's why I love. That's why I love. Who is she? That, yeah. That's why I love linguistics and etymology and the words because so cool. you look at that with cheese. Um, you know, you have a handful of words that mean cheese. You have like mm-hmm. form, formaggio, cas, case, queso, um, and they all come back to really one of two words most of the time. I also like would talk to customers about it, and they're just like, "How do you memorize these words or the names of this cheese?" I was like, "Well, a lot of them sound really <laughs> yeah. like elegant and like like crazy, but it's it's literally just where it's from, the milk type, maybe the shape of the cheese right. in like French, Spanish, English, uh, German, like whatever it is, yeah, like, like a scaffolding of information yeah. that you learn, and then you can just like plug in the different parts." It's been so, like, I will say, like, having worked with cheese, like, now if I, like, will read a menu in a different language, like, a lot of times I can pinpoint certain words that I know just because of working with cheese. Right, yeah. And that's, like, what's really cool. Is like, yeah, it gives you broad um, information, especially of, like, the um, the romance languages, you know, mm-hmm. in particular. I, uh, <laughs> I definitely overestimated my ability because I speak Spanish pretty well. Uh, I overrested my ability of that getting me far in Italy when I visited Italy mm-hmm. um, because I, at that point I had been telling cheese for a while and could read, you know, information mm-hmm. in Italian pretty well um, using my Spanish knowledge and then yeah. I started to learn, you know, Italian words. And totally, well, like, when it came to speaking it or communicating or hearing it, I was like, oh, it's different. a little bit different, yeah. a little bit tougher than I thought. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we touched on we touched on some topics today that I think are going to lead into our next one. We have some little hints in there, um, but um, it's kind of a it's kind of a left turn from what we've been and doing. It's broad. It's a broad it's one. Very broad topic that's coming up right now, and there's a lot of ways that we can go into it. And again, it's probably going to be something that we'll have to do a follow-up episode at some point because there's no way that we can we can touch on all of it at once but um do you want to introduce it yeah um it's really hot right now still don't want to do any cooking in my kitchen um so i'm gonna do some slow style cooking and i'm gonna (laughs) ferment something let nature do the work for you baby it's someone else i don't want to do it yeah get old science do it for a change come on (laughs) pulling your weight around here could do get tackle some fermentation obviously it's a really broad topic so we are going to not cover everything yeah. i just know that right now <laughs> um 
Thank guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you don't already, please uh, follow us on uh, the Instagram at the Self Checkout Podcast. Yeah, or or on Twitter at Self Checkout Five. Yeah. Also, if you ever want to reach out to us, uh, if you're a, an an author that wrote a book on food, or if you wrote a cookbook, you would love us to maybe do your recipe and talk about your recipe on the podcast. Uh, we do have an, an email, or if you just want to like send us an email, tell us that we sound great. Uh, we have an email at um, the self checkout podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. And so. if you want to see a compilation of a lot of information, our beautiful faces, pictures, blog entries, episode listings, links to Spotify and iTunes, where you can find our podcast, go to our website at, uh, selfcheckoutpodcast.com. Mm -hmm. And guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Spotify. That helps. But also, if you have like two minutes, five minutes, like give us some stars if you like us on iTunes and write us a review. Um, if you don't like us, don't tell no, nobody. Don't, don't, don't just tell. keep it yourself. Yeah, come on. If you don't have anything nice to say. Don't say anything at all. Yeah, we've worked in the food industry too long to, uh, yeah, we've gotten enough Yelp reviews. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, and guys, um, maybe, maybe just be nice to each other for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like, speaking of which, speaking of being in the food industry, like, just be nice. Yeah. <laughs> say thank you. Yeah, if you know somebody who's a server, Venmo them 10 bucks right now. Yeah. And if you go to the grocery store, just Venmo don't. them 10 bucks right now. Yeah. <laughs> Venmo is all ten bucks right now. <laughs> go find you know you know the kid in CVS. Go give him ten bucks right now. Or just you know what this is what I'm going to say too. If you have ten bucks to give, whatever tool do it. But how about just not being an asshole the next time you go in public? <laughs> there you go. Like do save, that. Save I, your money. Yeah, <laughs> it's cheaper. It's cheaper to be nice. It is. So. It is. Thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate everything that you just listening. And all the feedback and love. And uh, Connor, I, uh, I appreciate you. <laughs> You're my friend. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.